0: Well, a couple of weeks ago, we were continuing our study through Abraham. We talked about his relationship as a dad on Father's Day. And before that, we kind of took the chapters out of order. and We talked about Abraham's intercession for Sodom and Gomorrah and for Lot. And now we're back up to chapter 20. And 20 verse one says this, Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. Now the first thing we see is Abraham moved his family. Nowhere do we see that God told him to do that. He just happened to do that. Now, he had lived in Hebron for about 20 years. If you look at Genesis 13, it says this. So Abraham moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron. And that was where God was moving. That was where God was at that particular moment. And so he decides to move. Now, where did he move to? Verse 1 continues and says, For a while he stayed at Gerar, or Gerar, however you want to pronounce that. So I looked this up. Gerar is just inside Philistine territory. It was technically within the boundaries of the land that God said they could have, but it was on the outskirts. In fact, more than one commentary says it was pretty much a dangerous place to live. You're not going to want to go there if you want to be safe. It was a, it was a hard, hardened place and a dangerous place to live. So I'm thinking, now why does Abraham move from a place that you know, God was at to a place that's kind of on the outskirts of God's territory in a place that's kind of a rough area. And I thought about this verse when I I read that. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Abraham moves himself from a place of safety to a place that could be potentially dangerous for him. Even though it was technically inside of God's parameters of the line He was going to get. And I thought, how often do we put ourselves in dangerous territory or areas of temptation because it's permissible? God doesn't say you can't do it, but we kind of flirt with that. We get as close as we can to the edge. And then because we put ourselves in that, that situation, we fall, we sin. Now just a few verses before that permissible verse is this. In verse 12 it says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Usually I found out that people that try to walk near the edge and live as close as they can to the world and still be godly, they they think they're able to handle things better than they can. And that's exactly what was wrong with Abraham. Now it doesn't tell us why he moved there. Maybe he was worried about the consequences of Sodom Maybe you want to change the scenery, we don't know. But we know that this choice wound up being a not a wise one for him. You know, we we may come up with legitimate reasons for doing something, moving somewhere, making a decision. But those reasons may not be enough or an excuse for doing the things that we do. In other words, just because we can doesn't mean we should. Just because we can do something and it doesn't directly violate God's word doesn't mean we should. I'll give you an example. Is drinking a sin? No, drinking is not a sin. Drunkenness is a sin, right? So, you may think that one drink isn't going to violate God's word and it doesn't. But what about the effects it has on other people? Other people who may see you drinking. Other people who are thinking about things of Christ and they see you drinking. If you had a drinking problem earlier in your life and you think you've beat it, probably taking a drink isn't the wisest thing to do. A lot of people ask themselves this question instead. How close can I get to the world and live like the world does and still be called a Christian? How close can I flirt with the edge and still be a Christian? Whereas the question we should be asking is, how close can I live to Christ and still have an effect on the world? How many have heard the phrase, you're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good? You ever heard that phrase? It's possible to do that. But I think we should want to be as close to Christ and as as we are there, God is able to work through us and have a positive effect on people that we come in contact with. So, Abraham pushes the envelope and now puts himself in a situation that he never should have been in. And what does he do? Verse two, he says, "There and there Abraham took or said of his wife Sarah, she is my sister. Then Abimelech king of Gerar sent for Sarah and took her. Does this sound familiar? It's the same thing he got busted for back in chapter 12. He was now fearing again for his life over his trust in God. How often do we put our own safety about, above trusting in God? He wouldn't have had this problem in the first place if he didn't move to Gerar. He wouldn't have been put in a situation where he was fearful. But even then, he's there. Now, it, that, that thought about moving in Gerar takes me back to the uh, verse in Corinthians. If you think you're standing, take heed lest you fall. I'm sure Abraham saw the thing in Sodom, saw this, was awesome, me and God, are we're tight, we're good. I'm gonna go live in this area. It's a little dangerous, I understand that, but I'm, me and God are tight. I'm gonna make it. Perhaps Abraham thought he was strong enough to live in a dangerous area. How often do we think we're strong enough to be in a situation that we really shouldn't be in? You think you can minister there, you think you can have an effect there, but maybe God doesn't want you to be there. It's pride that causes us to think we're stronger than we are and we can take more than God and than the enemy puts at us. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. He probably thought, I can handle this. I know it's a rough area, but I can make it. And it seems as though as soon as he got there, he blew it. He didn't even wait to be approached by the king he instantly gave up his wife why again he's walking by sight he's looking around he doesn't remember what happened a few chapters ago and he instantly falls into fear now you would think that he would have learned his lesson by now but i like jack hayford's quote on this he says this he says yesterday's revelation of god's wisdom doesn't preempt the potential of today's folly just because you made success yesterday and God did something great in your life yesterday doesn't mean you're not going to blow it today. And that means you have to always be on guard to situations around us and be ready to act or not act accordingly. And one of the commentators says, if you think you can live on your laurels on what happened yesterday and your strength from yesterday, you're going to fall. You're going to end up like Abraham because you're living on past experiences Abraham's pride led him to this and now his lack of trust made him fall pride puffed him up when you get puffed up you think you can do it the Spirit of God is less in you and you make bad choices he shouldn't have been there in the first place but now that he was he had the opportunity to be God's witness in this area as we said it was a dangerous area Abraham was there Remember, Abraham was supposed to be a witness to the nations. He was supposed to be a blessing to the nations. They were supposed to see his lifestyle and want to become like him or at least know his God. And so he goes in, and the first thing he does is give up his wife. So the king takes Abraham in his word. He says, okay, I believe him. I'm going to take her. Verse 3 says, but God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, you are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Now, Abimelech seemed like a decent guy. He took Abraham in his word. He basically acted out of ignorance. He, he trusted him. But that still didn't free him from the judgment that was to come. And I, you know, I thought about that. A lot of good, decent people walking around today. A lot of that good, good moral character. They live a right life. They don't know Christ but they're good people they may even be better than some Christians we know Abimelech in this case was acting more honorably than Abraham but Abraham had the relationship Abimelech didn't so even though he was a good and decent guy just doing what you know he should have done he was lied to he accepted it he was still under judgment A lot of good, decent people walking around doing good things. But since they don't have a relationship, they're still under judgment. Judgment's going to come their way. Abraham basically got spanked by God because he was a believer. And as believers, we can expect and we should want discipline and correction. Now, how many like that? How many like to be corrected, disciplined? No one likes it, right? What's the Bible say? God loves those he chastens, right? He does it because he loves you. However, Abimelech was facing judgment, not because of what he did, but because he didn't believe. That was the difference. Our friends and family who don't know Christ are facing the same judgment, not because they don't sin, but because they don't believe. John 3.18 says this, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe, doesn't say sin, whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Abimelech acted honorably. He took Abram at his word. Verse 4 and 5 says, Now Abimelech had not gone near her, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And didn't she also say, he is my brother? I've done this with a clean conscience and clean hands. Pretty good guy. He operates on trust. He operate on faith. You need to be careful who you listen to. You need to be careful who you trust. Just because someone tells you something, you don't have to automatically believe it. The person may have good intentions. They may sound like they're honorable. They may sound like they're telling a good story, but you need to check out what they're saying. What is the real truth behind what they're telling you, what they're trying to do? The second thing we see is Sarah was in on this lie now. The first time she wasn't. It was just Abraham's doing. But now Sarah's part of the deal. And again, this, another verse came to my mind, 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three 33 says, don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. Sarah saw him do it the first time, the second time, she was a part of it. I tell this to people. The Bible does not say that good company influences bad people. It says that bad company corrupts good morals. That means you can't constantly be around sinful people, not to be around God's people at, on occasion to be re-energized. You can't expect to live like that and not be drawn into their, into their camp. The reason that God says don't be unequally yoked. Why? Because eventually that is going to part, right? And usually I tell this to young guys, young couples. If they're not believers, there's going to come a point where it's going to be a problem. And what's going to happen is usually what happens is the Christian, in order to avoid a conflict or a fight, will give in to the non-Christian and do what they want just to keep the peace happens almost every time and that's why God says don't be corrupted by bad people don't hang around them don't let them influence you because it's going to lead you down and that's exactly what happened to Sarah she was with Abraham she saw it got failed one time and now she got sucked into it and now she's agreeing with him doing the same thing notice what they did they told a half-truth Sarah was his half-sister right truth but he kind of forgot the part Oh, yeah, she's my wife, too. So, the intention of the statement is what makes it true or not. How many have ever thought about saying something that the words coming out of your mouth are true, but the intention of the words you're saying is not true? He was telling the truth. She's my sister. But what was the intent? The intent was to deceive Abimelech. There's a phrase that says, a half-truth is a whole lie. Sometimes maybe we call them white lies. Here's a a question we don't have to answer today, but is it ever right for a Christian to lie? Ever? Chew on that a little bit. So, verse 7 goes on and says, Then God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. He will pray for you and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all yours will die. So look what God's doing. God is enlisting a pagan king to go and rebuke the believing Abraham. You ever been caught doing something as a Christian by someone who's not a Christian? Things that you shouldn't be doing. When I first became a believer, I was working in Pittsburgh, and we sold beepers. How many remember beepers before cell phones? We sold beepers, and my clientele was mostly hospitals. So I'm a new Christian, and one of the things we would do is we would repackage used pagers, put them in a new case, and sell them as new, or lease them. That's how the hospitals did it. And so I did that once, and as soon as I got back, the entire office knew that I did that, and said, so, Jeff, Christian, huh? Someone a used pager is new. It makes you embarrassed when someone who's not a Christian calls you on things you shouldn't be doing. It's exactly what was happening to Abraham. Look at what also happened. God kept him from sinning. God can keep us from sinning and making wrong choices if we submit that decision to him. How many of you have asked for God to open a door? How many of you have ever asked for God to close a door? You want God to close the door so you don't make a wrong choice, right? There's a phrase out there that says, if God closes the door, he opens a window. If God closes the door, he closes the door. And there's a reason he does that, to keep you from making those mistakes. God kept this pagan king from sinning. If he did that, he can keep us from operating in the flesh and sinning if we submit to him, if we have that relationship with him. Verse 8 says, early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials, and when he told them all that had had happened, they were very much afraid. So I'm I'm imagining, you know, God says, if you don't do this, I'm going to wipe you out. So, yeah, Abimelech's getting up first thing. Sun comes up, I'm sure he's awake, telling his officials what's going to happen. God got this guy's attention. And now he was going to use a pagan king to accomplish God's will. Abraham didn't make this guy fearful. It wasn't the believer that made him fearful. It was God that did that. Because Abraham actually lost his testimony with, this, with the town, with the city. How could Abraham go into a town and talk about the God of truth and the God of love when Abraham basically lied, bold-faced to him? Lost his testimony. He can't do anything, so God has to step in. But even then, God was able in his sovereignty to use the king to be the solution to the problem. You know, we've prayed before that, you know, the Bible says it. I'll read it here. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord he directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. God can use unbelievers in positions of authority to accomplish his will. How many like that? That is why we pray for those in power. So that God can turn the wickedness of those who are leading to do the right things. God did it numerous times in the Old Testament. When Nehemiah built the wall, God used the king, let him go and do all the things. You know, in this instance here, Abimelech, Even Nebuchadnezzar, later on, God used him, right? So we pray for God to use and God to interrupt what wicked people want to do to bring about his perfect will. Verse 9 goes on and says, Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You You have done things to me that should not be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What was your reason for doing it? Again, Abraham being called out by a pagan king. Really embarrassing. People will ask you why you do something. What can you tell them? How come you did that? If you're a believer, how come you did that? What can you say? I'm an idiot. You know, nothing you can say. You have to fess up to it, and that's exactly what Abraham did. In verse 11, he says, I said to myself, surely there's no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father and not of my mother. Again, trying to justify himself a little bit. And when God made me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. Abraham was giving more credit to the Philistine territory than he was giving to God. He was believing that the Philistines and the king Abimelech was more powerful and can do whatever he wanted more powerful than God and so he's trying to reiterate the lie that he left home with and how many found that you can't cover up one lie with another if you're caught just own up to it because if you keep lying it's gonna just dig you deeper and you're going to forget what the lies were. Verse 14 goes on. Then Abimelech bought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abram. And he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, My land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah he said, I am giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. Two things about this verse. Unbelievers still have the ability to know that they're wrong. If you ask anyone if they're a sinner, most people are going to say, yeah. They're not going to care that they are, but they're going to know that they are. People know when they do wrong. And the second thing is the response to their wrong actions usually result in wanting to do something to make it better. Rather than trusting in Abraham's God, rather than asking Abraham about his relationship with God, and how can I have that? Since your God spoke to me, I want to be able to do that. Tell me about your God. What's the first thing he does? He just gives him things. He doesn't ask him about God. He just he brings things to him because he believes that by doing things and giving up things, that's going to make him right with God. Most people think that they can earn their way Into a relationship with God if I just give this much money or if I just do all these things if I do more good things than bad I'm good Abimelech thought well if I just give him all this stuff I'll be good I'll have the same relationship with God that he has but he didn't because works never work you can't earn your way you can't buy your way into God's kingdom it's only by faith When you ask people if they're going to go to heaven i've never met anyone who thinks they're going to go to hell how many of i've done funerals for for not nice people and they're all you know they're all sure that whoever is in the casket is going to go to heaven the guy can be an axe murderer yeah but he's going to go to heaven people think they can earn their way If I deny myself and do all these good things for people, I'm in. Rather than asking how to know God, he starts doing things. Then 17 goes on and says, that Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his slave girl, so they could have children again. For the Lord had closed up every woman in Abimelech's household because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. So we assume that God, since God is answering Abraham's prayer, Abraham has confessed he's made himself right with God he's, he's fessed up to it and the and the the good thing about this is God, and, and I find this no matter who I read about whatever character I read about in the Bible God doesn't reject us when we sin even though Abraham kept making the same mistake how many of us have kept making the same mistake over and over again you ask God for forgiveness today Next week you do the same thing. and You ask God for forgiveness next week. And then you do it again. You promise never to do it again and you keep doing it. God doesn't forsake us because we sin. Abraham was justified by what? Faith. Not by actions. So he was already right before God. Justification in our lives doesn't change. Justification means just as if I never sinned. So you're right with God. Sin, as you've probably heard, breaks fellowship, not relationship. Your kids stroll out of the room and yell at you and not like you. They're still your kids. You may not have a great relationship with them at that moment, but they're still your kids. Sin breaks fellowship, not relationship. The important thing is that we deal with the sin. If we continue to carry it with us without repenting of it, what happens is now you become less and less convicted. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit convicts you. How many felt conviction? Right? You do something wrong and you instantly feel guilty. Well, if you keep doing that and, not feeling, and, and feeling less and less guilt, what's going to happen is now you're no longer going to feel guilty for any kind of sin and you're going to eventually back away from God. You know, there's, we obviously know there's two schools of thought on salvation. You either can lose it or well, you can never lose it. My thing is, you can lose it, but you have to work really hard to do it. Sin doesn't take you away from God. But if you keep sinning, you're no longer going to have that Holy Spirit convicting you to bring you back. And this actually isn't in my notes there, Brad, but let me look it up if I can... see yeah i can't find it basically what it says if you keep sinning you're going to die spiritually if you keep sinning without repent you're going to die spiritually it's god okay god i'm hurrying As Christians, we are always gonna sin. We're not gonna be immune from that. Our job is to confess it and make it right as quickly as possible. First John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So Abraham walked into town, instantly sinned, got caught, repented of it, asked God for forgiveness, his prayers were now being answered again because he healed Abimelech. And they moved on. That was chapter 20. What happens in chapter 21? Isaac's born. Even though Abraham twice sinned, blew it big time, got caught, God restored him and continued to work through him in spite of his failures, or in spite of his sin. God was able to use him to bring about great things. Maybe you think you've sinned too much. You've done the same thing over and over again. You ask for forgiveness and you keep doing it. What did did Jesus tell Peter about forgiving? 70 times seven, that's just for people. How much more do you think God's gonna continue to forgive us for every time we sin? And not only that, God can use and God can turn that around for his good. Yeah, there is a wasp in here somewhere right about there. So as we stay until he dies or Abraham was able to confess it and had a new beginning. And the Bible says whenever we confess our sins we have a clean slate. Slate's clean. There may be consequences to the sin, but your relationship with God is brand new again. And because of that, God can, can continue to do great things in your life and through your life. Would you stand as we close this morning? If you'd bow your heads for a moment. You know, Maybe you're here this morning and you're like Abraham or you're just like anybody else. You you keep messing up in one or two different areas and you try to fix it and you can't fix it and you keep sinning and you're doing the, the wrong thing over and over again. The enemy wants to discourage you and keep you down and say, what's the use? God says, bring it to me. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sin, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And not only that, God through his Holy Spirit is able to keep you from temptation. The Bible says there is no temptation under heaven that you you can succumb to. It doesn't mean trials won't come your way. It just means when you are tempted, you will be able to stand up. Whether you do or not is up to you and through the Spirit of God. But you have the ability to stop. The Bible says it. It may be difficult it may be hard for you but the Bible says you are able to stop. And God can give you the power to do that. Our job is just to bring it to him every time. And every time you do it God will give you more and more strength to beat it the next time. This is the last time Abraham got caught doing this. God is able to do that in our lives as well. Father we thank you so much for your goodness to us we thank you that you you love us in spite of us you saved us in spite of us and you use us in spite of us Father all we can do is thank you for your goodness you knew what we would do after we became Christians you knew how we would blow it you knew how we would mess up and you still chose us. The Bible says that you chose us, we didn't choose you. You chose us knowing all of those things, and yet you know that through us you can accomplish great things. So Lord, I pray your blessings upon each person here today. I pray that as we leave, help us to really grasp the truth that God wants to use us. God is enabling us to do great things in our families, our communities, where we work. God uses people to accomplish his will. God used Abraham, a flawed individual, messed up. But the Bible calls him a great man of faith. It's because God doesn't remember our sin. God only remembers what we accomplished in his name. So Lord, I pray your blessings upon each one of us. And help us to operate in the same faith that Abraham did. So that we are able to accomplish great things like Abraham did. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Happy Fourth, which was yesterday. But have a great continuing weekend. We'll see you online Wednesday and then next Sunday outside.